Welcome to the Resilient Sessions mini-sodes. Over the next few minutes, Sean Stocker will tell his story. I'm 14 years old and I just had a hard day at school. My mum sits me on the sofa and tells me, Sean, I've got something to say to you. It's Nick. I know he's out in Iraq at the time, so it can't be good news. I just hope that it's not, it's not the worst. She said, he's okay. He's been involved in a car, in, a car bomb. He's in shock. He's perforated his eardrums and he's got a lot of frag from the glass. But he's okay. He's going to be all right. Now, I looked up to my older brother and my granddad and my great-granddad who all served in the same regiment. And when I was old enough, I was going to do the same. 16, I needed to be. I had a year left. 16, come... I went to Basingbourne. It was junior training. I was going to be a professional soldier at the age of 16. I had a lot of growing up to do. I knew that the Afghanistan campaign was on at the time and we heard in the news and the radio that people were losing their lives on a daily basis. I just kept it to the back of my mind that, you know, hopefully I'll do my job and it won't be me. I knew that I'd be going out at the age of 19 I had three years training. I knew that part of my job was going to be Valen Man. Now, Valen is a metal detector that picks up IEDs in the floor. And one of my other passions was driving. It put me through so many driving licenses in them three years. To be a Mastiff driver in Afghanistan at the age of 19, in charge of 10 men, was a daunting task but I knew I was going to do a good job. We were told that we were going to a place called Nadi Ali and we were going to be spending five and a half months there. Well, then five and a half months were going to be the hardest months that I'd ever have to do in my life. We were two weeks before the end of my tour. We'd had a lucky tour. There was a few injuries, but no one had lost their lives. We heard at the radio one day that one of our good friends had been killed. And it brought it home to me that, yeah, there was two weeks left, but we were still in a war zone. It was six days before the end of my tour, and we were going out on a routine foot patrol to resupply a patrol base that was a couple of hundred metres away from us. I was the Valen man for my section that day. So as I would go with the Valen, the metal detector, I'd sweep it from left to right, right to left, to try and create a big, big enough pathway so my guys would, wouldn't step on any IEDs. I'd seen one of these poppy stacks on the side of the road. In previous operations, we'd found weapons, ammunition, and IED components hidden in these huge poppy stacks. Now, these poppy stacks were last year's harvest of opium and they were now brown sticks ready to be used for firewood. Part of my job was to go and check it out with the metal detector. And I could see poking out the side was an RPG tail. I knew what it was because we'd had so many fired at us. I go up to the tail and I pull it out. It's like a flight of a dart, but it's just the tail. The warhead's been exploded. I bag it up for forensics and I throw it to my section commander and I say, I'm going back in. 
as I sweep over the poppy stack with the metal detector, I realise there's nothing in there and turn back around to go and join my section. And this huge bang went off beside me. I didn't know what quite happened. I didn't know if a mortar had gone off next to me or whether I'd detonated this IED myself. But all I knew is that I couldn't see and now I was lying on the floor. I was hoping, I was telling myself, hopefully, once they wash the dirt out of my eyes, I'll be able to see. And at that moment, I heard the medic call the helicopter in, saying that he had a double amputee. That moment, I knew my legs were gone as well. I remember being placed onto a stretcher and trying to fight with the medic because he'd strapped my arm to my chest. And I was later told it was because my shoulder had been dislocated. I was lost my little finger. I felt like a hundred years had gone by. I wake up in a strange room to a woman's voice saying, Sean, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Sean? I remember saying to her, yes, I can hear you. Am I alive? She said, yes, you're alive. I said, no, am I really alive? Because in my mind, I'd been somewhere else for the last hundred years on an induced coma. The hallucinations were unbelievable. She went through the list of things that had happened to me. She said, you've lost both your legs above the knee. You lost your little finger. The hole through your left hand, dislocated your shoulder. Your eardrums were perforated. You lost your left eye. It's now a prosthetic eye. And you've been blinded in your right eye. She'd also told me that I wouldn't be able to have kids naturally as well. So there I was, I was 19, lying in a bed, I couldn't see, I couldn't walk, had no job. Lost my driving licenses. And what was I going to do for the rest of my life? I remember thinking to myself as the weeks went by in hospital, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I thought, right, if I can learn to walk, get my job back, be fully independent, then I will be back to where I was before I was injured and hopefully in a better place to go forwards. I just didn't realise how long that was going to take. Three months went by, countless operations. I had an operation on my right side to gain me back 30%. It would take some time before I actually reached that percentage. I arrived at Headley Court after three months in hospital, learning to walk. At the time, I couldn't see a thing. I was pushed everywhere in a wheelchair. You know, I said, will I be able to walk on prosthetics with no eyesight? They said, no one's ever done it before, but we're willing to give it a go. So the next three years, that's all I concentrated on, was learning to walk operations to fix my leg, bone spikes taken off, nerves taken out, operations on my eyes, my ears, my nose, my arms. Constantly in and out of hospital. But every time I had an operation, my life got a little bit better. In 2014, uh, I was told about an operation called osseointegration, whereby they put titanium rods into my legs. And I knew that was what I needed to do. I thought the moment I could get rid of my sockets and actually make the prosthetic limbs part of my body, then I'll be able to walk again. I'll be able to feel the floor because I was practically walking blind. 
I tell people it's like walking on a pair of stilts with a blindfold. After I had this operation, you know, all of my hard effort and hard work that I was putting into learning to walk on my legs meant that I could put into other areas of my life. And I actually got to the point where, you know what, I might have a future. I was walking. I'd gained 30% back in one of my eyes, so I was gaining my independence back. Still had no job. So that was what I was going to do next. I started a property business. Well, it wasn't a business at the time, it was just one house. One house turned into two, two turned into three, and then before you know it, I've got 12. I actually got people to do the work for me, so it didn't actually matter that I'd lost my legs and my eyesight. So it was a business, it was running itself before I knew it. In 2015, I became a dad on Christmas Day through IVF. And at that moment, I, I looked at my life and I thought to myself, you know what, I've done it. I've got to that point. I've got things in my life now that I wouldn't have if I hadn't have been injured. So how could I wish to go back to a day before the explosion? I dare to think what the future might hold. I thought if I've got this far, why not? Why not? Can't, why can't I make my life better? I decided to raise money for charity and set myself goals and challenges on my legs for my rehabilitation. And I needed to get the word out of what I was doing. So I learned to tell my story. My story helped inspire others, helped me deal with what I've been through. And the charity walks and things that I was doing were, were helping me with my rehabilitation and raising money for charity. A local prison was being built in Wrexham at the time and I offered to come in and speak to some of the veterans at the prison. They invited me in and asked me if, how would I feel if they named the prison wing after me to show my triumph over adversity and my rehabilitation that anybody can rebuild their lives after something traumatic happening. I took part in a TV programme called Without Limits. I thought that if I could track across the Australian outback, then no challenge was ever going to be too big for me. And the amazing power that I had that I learned to tell my story meant that I could go and teach and tell people how to overcome something like this. And the stories and things that people told me about their own challenges and that I'd helped them was amazing. The last two years have been the best years of my life. 2019, I received the news that I was in the New Year's Honours list and that I'd been given a British Empire medal for my work with the veterans in Bowen Prison and all the charity work that I'd done throughout my rehabilitation. I take a look at my life now and I say I've done it. That day in that hospital where I thought if I could make my life better, I've actually done it. And now I'm sat here telling my story to you and I wouldn't actually go back to the day that this happened to me for everything that I've got in my life now. 
If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed here in the podcast, then please have a look at our webpage or show notes where you'll be able to find more information. Thank you for downloading this episode. And why not subscribe and share it with your friends and family? You never know who it might help. The Resilient Sessions has been inspired by Making Generation R, a campaign which aims to create a generation of resilient people across the UK. The series is brought to you by Blesma, the Limbless Veterans Charity, and is based on an original idea by Sai Harma and The Drive Project. The Resilient Sessions are supported by Openreach, produced by The Drive Project, and with thanks to Facebook.